Hello, welcome to the We'll Preach for Food podcast. My name is Doug. I'm a pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church. We're based out of Shelton, Washington, a congregation of the ELCA. We're growing closer to and more like Jesus for the sake of the world. If you'd like to learn more about faith, go to our website, www.faithshelton.org. I want to thank you for making this podcast a part of your day. Today I'm going to talk about Jesus, and I'm going to talk about 20 minutes. The title of this sermon is The Cost of Freedom, and the readings today are from 1 Peter chapter 1 and also Mark chapter 9. Please open your Bible to 1 Peter, and we'll start there after we pray. This prayer is based on Martin Luther's explanation of the second article of the Apostles' Creed as found in the small catechism. Let us pray. O Jesus Christ, true God, Son of the Father from eternity and true man, born of the Virgin Mary, you are my Lord. At great cost, you have saved and redeemed me, a lost and condemned person. You have freed me from sin, death, and the power of the devil, not with silver or gold, but with your holy and precious blood and innocent suffering and death. Thank you for doing all this that I may be your own, live under you in your kingdom, and serve you in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as you are risen from the dead and live and rule eternally. Amen. Now a reading from 1 Peter, chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Here ends the reading. And the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the ninth chapter, beginning at verse 30. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what Jesus meant and were afraid to ask him about it. Then they came to Capernaum. When Jesus was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? (laughs) But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. And sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be the first must be the very last and the servant of all. And he took a little child whom he had placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Dear sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, is Jesus a human being, a really good teacher, super tuned into the Holy Spirit, sent by God to show us the way of agape love? Or is Jesus actually God in the flesh, the incarnation and revelation of the God of the universe who was there before it all began and will be long after it's all done? Honest Christians live in the tension somewhere between the answer, yes, the answer, I don't know, 
And the answer, it depends. Quantum physics tells us that what a thing is depends largely on what somebody is looking for. Sometimes light is measured as a wave. Sometimes it's observed as a particle. So which is it? Well, yes, or I don't know, or it depends. We do know that Jesus lived in Palestine about 2,000 years ago, born of, of Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was in the public spotlight for two or three years tops. He had a group of young men and women who were his disciples, followers, students. He was a miracle worker, a teacher of the ways of God, an advocate for justice. He showed compassion for all people, especially widows, orphans, sinners, and foreigners. We know he got on the bad side of the powers that be, that he was crucified, died, and was buried. We also know that somehow Jesus knew what was happening all along. He knew how it was going to turn out, that it was all part of the plan, that he laid his own life down for the sake of the world. The scripture says that the Son of Man must suffer and give his life and be raised from the dead. And this is for us and for our salvation, as the saying goes. The disciples didn't know what Jesus was talking about at that time. And to this day, to be honest, disciples of Jesus are still trying to figure out exactly what all of it means. But one of those disciples, a fellow named Peter, he takes a stab at understanding the big picture years after the fact. And we have this in a writing called First Peter. Not because he's the first Peter, but because it was the first of two letters in the Bible attributed to Peter. He writes, it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Let me say something about that. He talks about an empty way of life. Well, left to ourselves, we humans all tend to flail around. People with power exert power over people who have less power, We fight, we complain, we argue, we kill, we get depressed. We look around for ways to medicate ourselves or distract us. We spend our lives and our resources trying to fill a hole. A purposeless life is an empty way of life. And this is the life that we've inherited, the Bible says. And so we're stuck here. We're stuck in this purposeless life unless somebody does something to set us free to redeem us. And that, Peter says, is exactly what Jesus does. Jesus is our redeemer. Now, to redeem someone or something is to set them free. So redemption happens when emancipating slaves or paying a bill or forgiving a debt. Now, there's always a cost to redeem something or someone. There's a slave owner who must be defeated. There's an outstanding debt to pay. There's a bill that's come due. Redemption comes at a cost to the Redeemer. And the Bible says Jesus is like that. Jesus is our Redeemer who pays the price to set us free from the empty way of life in which we find ourselves, a a way of life that Luther calls sin, death, and the devil. And the price of this redemption, the currency of redemption, is not silver or gold or perishable things, but it is rather the blood of Christ Jesus himself, the Lamb of God. Peter says. Now, this language of the blood of the Lamb of God, it goes way back to Old Testament days. Uh, God's mercy was ritualized and remembered through an animal sacrifice. 
There was a scapegoat, a lamb upon which the sins of the people were assigned and then sacrificed in front of the whole congregation. And you thought my sermons were hard to bear. Sin has a cost that cannot be redeemed with material things, but by the blood of the Lamb of God. And that's what Peter is saying. Peter says that Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the one who sacrifices himself on the cross. And it's his holy and precious blood, his innocent suffering and death, that redeems us. Jesus is our Redeemer. For us and for our salvation, Jesus has set us free. So free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. This is the gospel message. This is the good news that you and I have been set free from our empty way of life. Jesus paid the price for you. Your sins are atoned for. Your your sins are forgiven. The debt's been paid. No matter what you've done, no matter where you have been, no matter what you have seen, no matter what choices you have made, no matter what regrets you carry, no matter what memories haunt you, The one who redeemed you has been raised from the dead. The one who loved you enough to die for you now loves you enough to lead you, to live with you, to show you freedom, abundant life, to show you what perfect freedom truly is. Martin Luther says that now we're free to live under the rule of Christ Jesus in righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. And this is both now and in the life to come. Because your redemption has already been accomplished. So that means that the freedom of kingdom living starts now in this life, today. Jesus didn't just die so that we can go to heaven after we die. No, he redeemed us so that we may have faith and hope in God now. The Bible says now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you've been born again through the living and enduring word of God. That's present tense. That's perfect tense. That's already happened. It is the reality of this day. You have been born again. And so kingdom living begins now. Living under, the free, under Christ's rule begins now. Freedom in Christ, leaving behind the empty way of life handed down to us. Instead, obeying the truth, loving one another deeply, following the example and the command of the living word of God, Jesus Christ. So let's talk about Christian freedom. Christian freedom is not legalism, and it is not license either. It's love. Christian freedom is actually a middle path, which the Bible calls the way of the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ that leads us in true freedom kind of between this gauntlet of the forces that seek to try to enslave us again. And on one side of the path is the law and legalism. And on the other side of the path is the flesh and licentiousness. Both of these forces, the law and the flesh, are seeking to enslave us again. So let's talk about each of those. First, about the law. We are justified by grace through faith apart from works of the law, the Bible says. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more. There's nothing we can do to make God love us less. The work of the redemption of Jesus Christ is complete. For freedom, Christ has set us free, Galatians 5.1. And so for Peter and the other disciples back in Jesus' day, legalism was in the form of obeying the Torah, being circumcised, eating certain foods and not others, and observing certain rituals and holy days. 
These days, legalism takes all sorts of forms. It is the insistence that you have to do certain things, believe certain things, or vote a certain way in order to be considered saved or good or a real Christian. Now, laws are a good thing. We need them in order to get along as a society, as a human race. I think everyone likes the kinds of laws that we like, and we don't like the kinds of laws that we don't like. Progressives seem to like laws that regulate people, and conservatives seem to like laws that punish people. The the reality is that we live in a nation with a pretty decent set of laws in the scope of all things. We need to keep getting better, and we need to root out some systemic injustices. We just disagree about what needs to get better, and we just disagree about what those systemic injustices are. The point is, as Christians in the United States, we do have the freedom to abide by the laws of this country most of the time. We also have freedom to oppose laws that are unjust, especially those laws that favor the powerful and the wealthy. But we are justified by grace through faith apart from works of the law. Christian freedom means that we are free from legalism. It also means that we're free from the desires of the flesh on the other side. While I have the right to do anything, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, not everything is beneficial and not everything is constructive. Christian freedom does not mean that I can do whatever the hell I want. And I use a technical term there. Because that's a form of slavery as well. Only now I've become my own slave driver. My wants, my desires, my opinions, my appetites, my whims dictate my choices with no regard to the consequences. (laughs) I become a slave to myself or what the Bible calls being a slave to the flesh. Licentiousness is the biblical and moral word for it. And this has to do with our bodies, things like promiscuity, infidelity, pornography, chemical abuse. It has to do with how we manage our households and communities, things like opulence, racism, human slavery, greed, vandalism. It has to do with our stewardship of creation, things like pollution, waste of natural resources, destruction of fragile habitats. Sure, I could do anything I wanted to, but why would I? Why would I enslave myself to behaviors that are not beneficial, that are not constructive? Why would I throw away my freedom by enslaving myself to myself? No, you see, true freedom is the way of the Spirit, the way of Christ. If you want to know what freedom is, if you want to know what freedom looks like, Jesus says, be like me, do what I do. Take up your cross, he says. Go to the back of the line. Hang out with orphans and widows and sinners and foreigners. The law of love says that no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. That's freedom from self. Do that which builds up others, not because some governor says so, but because we're living under the lordship of the risen Christ Jesus. And the closer we are to Jesus, the more like Jesus we become, well, then we're growing in the perfect freedom, the freedom of righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. After all, Peter says, we have been born again, and the only law that truly matters is the law of love. The love of Christ compels us, Paul says. 
So let us use our freedom for the benefit of others. Let us use our freedom to build up one another in faith, thus rejecting legalism on one side and licentiousness on the other. Follow me, Jesus says. And Christians follow the way of Jesus, even to the point of handing our lives over to be killed. That's the cost of freedom. Four brief takeaways. First, consider the cost that Jesus paid for your freedom. The Bible says that no greater love does a person demonstrate than to lay down their life for others. And understand, this is what Jesus has done for you. This is the love of Jesus for you. And so the Holy Spirit today invites you to put your faith and your hope in the God who loves you, who forgives you, and has set you free. Second, be vigilant in the way of Christian freedom. Kind of look in the mirror and and think about it. Are you more susceptible to legalism or licentiousness or both? What would it look like for you to acknowledge this sin, to confess it, to repent of it, and to get back on track to, to claim the real freedom that we have in Christ? Third, Let's think about this regarding the pandemic and vaccines and masks. Some people view this issue as one of legalism, while others see it as a matter of licentiousness. What do you think? What do you think is the way of the Spirit, the way of freedom for you, for your family? Consider with vaccines and masks, what is beneficial? What builds up? What puts the needs of my neighbors first? What would Jesus do? Fourth, Jesus says to welcome the little child. And in terms of this congregation, what does this mean regarding our mission, our vision, and our staffing priorities? And for that matter, with children among the most vulnerable to COVID, what does Christian freedom look like as we make decisions about public health and our schools and our children? These are big questions. I want to thank you for listening to this week's podcast. I hope you will check out our website, www.faithshelton.org. I want you to learn more about the God of Jesus Christ who created you, who, re- who loves you, who redeemed you, and has a purpose for your life. At our website, you can sign up for weekly emails or like us on Facebook or subscribe to this podcast. You know the drill. And I want to thank Chaz for his production uh, work on this podcast every week. I'll leave you with this blessing. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. And all glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen.